electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and put it in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Being realistic about stocks does not mean being negative. Not when the reality is actually so, so good. But there is a downward bias in how many investors approach this market. And I think it's kept people out of lots and lots of good stocks. Sadly, no matter what I say, this bias will probably increase. Now that the very strong month of January is behind us, February's off and running. Witness today's seesaw action, Dow ultimately up 37 points, S&P declining 0.06%, NASDAQ losing 0.35%. Now, what do I really mean by a downward bias? I'm talking about a market that plummets at the opening off of a weak Germany. Yeah, Germany. And then snaps back when investors recognize how silly that correlation is before giving up the ghost again in the afternoon and then bouncing again. I'm talking about the notion that a slowdown lurks around every corner, as people thought would be the case with Apple tonight. Or that pricing is going to get worse, a fret about Alphabet. Or demand is about to taper off, the whisper that drove down the stock of Amazon in late afternoon. Do you know that none of these happen to be the case? None of them as we saw their quarters, with only Alphabet giving us pause, giving you much of a reason to sell its stock. And you know what? I would still take the other side of the trade, the positive side on that one. I think so many supposed experts and analysts keep giving you second-rate or even just plain wrong information. They give you advice simply because, you know what? I, I get this. They're used to things going bad for so many years, and they just can't, they can't shake the prejudice even when everything is arguably coming up roses. Let's use a real live example that you all know about because billions are on it. Let's take last night's Facebook number. It's a well-known household name. It's a management team that's pretty adept at explaining how its awesome growth can continue in defiance of what we call the law of large numbers. 
Facebook reported a phenomenal 48% increase in advertising. I was blown away by this, and that's off a very large base. $8.6 billion going to $12.7 billion. This, this is a company. It's not the government. It's a company. Given that most of its business comes from ads, you have a tremendous growth story. And the company can earn $9 a share next year. That's totally realistic, realistic after what we heard last night. Do the stock's not even expensive at $193? Let's get some comparisons. It sells more cheaply than the stocks of Colgate, Procter, Coca-Cola, Unilever. I could go on and on about these consumer packaged goods companies. Now, Facebook's in the process of refreshing its core website. The company's deliberately trying to diminish the amount of time you spend looking at your feed. Well, isn't that counterintuitive? No, they want to cut back on those annoying viral videos from publishers. The change caused total user time spent on the site to decrease by 50 million hours a day. Isn't that terrible? At the same time, the daily average user numbers came in a little bit shy of Wall Street's 1.41 billion estimate. Instead, it was 1.4 billion. I know that's practically a rounding error to Facebook, but these two metrics seem to be going the wrong way, which is why the stock initially got absolutely annihilated when the headlines came over the tape. Now, this is not the first time Facebook's posted some off-putting numbers. It won't be the last either. Here's where the negative bias comes through, though. First, not that long ago, CEO Mark Zuckerberg told you, I mean, actually just about 10 days ago, told you to expect the decline in hours as a trade-off of better user experience. If you look at your feed, by the way, as I did last night, you'll notice a drop-off in the number of jarring, annoying videos that take you out of your comfortable universe of friends and family, and they're eating into your time. In short, he's improved the user experience. It's as if Facebook anticipated correctly that people get bored. The word that people are saying is fatigued because a lot of this viral content is so irritating. You know what? No different from when the NFL loads up your TV experience with endless commercials. And finally, you decide, hey, it's not that good a game anyway. Enough is enough. So a lot of these negative commentators say things like the daily user trends bad news. But Facebook told us point blank that it doesn't expect to see any sort of long-term slowdown in daily active user growth. More important, on the conference call, Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg, who was so smart, explained how this change could be good for business. Listen to this quote. Because when people spend time viewing more posts because they are interacting with family and friends and they're not involved in longer posts, we have actually more monetization. That's right. More monetization. Look at this. If you track the stock's bizarre gyrations last night like I do on a second-to-second second second basis, okay, Facebook stock was sinking, 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 sinking. Then Sandberg speaks that comment. Boom! Look at that. Is that not what the stock market's really about? Yet when you listen to the commentary about the quarter, you never really heard about that shift. You thought it wasn't planned. You thought it was just something they got shocked about. After all, a better user experience, though, does translate to more users, which translates into, well, guess what? More money. I wonder if Facebook stock rallied six bucks or a full $14 from where it was at this point when she just changed the narrative dramatically. The truth is there is no immutable law of the universe that says things have to go wrong or business will inevitably crap out. I haven't read that one. I didn't study it. I didn't know if you did either. And even if that happens eventually, there's no reason to think it's going to happen anytime soon, particularly with Facebook. Now, that was certainly the case with Apple which, by the way, reported a phenomenal quarter. 
But more importantly, because people worry about the future, also made you feel pretty darn good about the next quarter. As pricing for phones and demand look like they're holding up, they're holding up darn well, by the way, and pricing is strong. The bear case once again failed to pan out, particularly with all the money that they've got and what they're going to do with it. And it was right to hold it, not trade it, at least for now. Guys, it's not a real Apple. Now, Amazon gave you everything you could ask for from its retail business, its web services business, which, by the way, is amazing, and its advertising business line. At one point today, we heard whispers that Amazon would miss when it reported. Do you know the stock plunged almost 70 points in a straight line? But it made all of that up and then some. When the conference call told you that all systems would go, I think its stock can, can romp now from the 1470s where we're going to be when we're going home tonight to the 1500s in a short period of time. I'd be a buyer anywhere below 1500. Alphabet, okay, more convoluted, what can I say? A great story, but the company was not able to make as much money as I would have liked from its revenues, okay? A little, it was a, like I said, it was a little confusing. Now, I, I was a tad disappointed, but then again, it had run up so much in anticipation of a blowout quarter that there was a letdown for certain. My take, don't lose hope, don't lose sleep, it's doing well. Yet, I would tell you that none of these positives that I am going over right now, I think is being talked about to any great extent. In fact, it's really the opposite. The trends are either not being acknowledged as strongly as they should be, or the skepticism is so great that it obscures anything that I think could be good in the future, which is why you're getting these opportunities seemingly endlessly, even intraday to buy these stocks at prices you should like. For the most part, I've seen increases and accelerations in an incredible number of businesses this quarter, not unlike what I saw in Facebook, Apple, and Alphabet, although there are some, again, Alphabet business lines that I wasn't wasn't crazy about. But I'm not going to let it be obscured by negativity. The bottom line, if you don't want to miss these moves, you need to stop assuming that the default state is for everything to be horrible. You know, sometimes I almost feel like it's my job to be upbeat. But the reality is that I am not being upbeat. I'm merely being empirical. I'm telling you the facts. This is not a glass half full, glass half empty situation. The glass to me is overflowing. And anyone who tries to tell you different, I think, is simply being rigorous or worse, quite disingenuous. Let's go to PJ in Florida. PJ. Hey, how are you doing, Jim? Pretty good, PJ. How about you? Good. Very well. Um, my question to you tonight is, what are your thoughts on John Deere versus Caterpillar? Oh, why do you make me, you know, why if you put a gun to my head to say, which should I buy, Deere or Cat? I'd say, take the darn gun from my head. Both are doing terrific. The ag cycle's very strong. By the way, uh, Dow, uh, Dow DuPont on that conference call, they did not say the ag cycle was weak. They said the crop protection is a week behind because of Brazil. But Caterpillar... What can I say? Multiple year story versus ag, which is more cyclical. I will go for cat right here. They're both in the 160s. Let's go to Les in Virginia. Les. Hey, Jim, PayPal reported real good earnings last night, but right. eBay indicated they're not going to use them anymore for processing. And, of course, that's 13% of their business. Uh, should 
Is this a good time to go in and sell or keep no, it? Or no, no, no. The trend line is going to be about four. If you follow the trend line, it will be about 4% of their business. Dan Schulman had told me several times, look, we're ready if this ever happens. It's going to actually not start till 2020, really kind of finish till 2023. Was it surprising? Yeah, I'll tell you what's surprising. This 40-point move the stock had before this, I think it's a solid buy. By the way, eBay had a pretty good quarter, too. Let's go to Glenn in my home state of New Jersey. Glenn. Glenn, yes, Jim, big yeah. booyah to you. I want to come and find out about Intimate, I-N-S-M. want to know your perspective on that and the insight you can give me. Oh, geez, you know, it's, we're kind of going down the food chain when we go into that one. Uh, you know, this is so risky. I just have been talking about these amazing tech stocks that sell at earnings and valuations that are right through the things that you go buy at the supermarket. Why do we need to mess with that one when we can buy Facebook? At 20 times earnings, downward bias has kept plenty of investors out of some moves. But they've been getting it wrong, not right. Man Money tonight, I'm revealing the list of stocks that are on a mission to power higher. Then with more and more NFL teams going in all tech, let's look at Zebra Technologies and how it can help the Eagles this weekend, but of course help the Patriots too. And your portfolio, let's see, rallying oil prices. I'm going to sit down with Marathon Pete to see if that commodity belongs in your portfolio. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Some stocks are on a mission. You either get long or you get out of their way. These are the stocks that blast out of orbit, and they've been that orbit may have had them stuck for ages. And once they are in motion, they stay in motion until they get to where they need to go. What stocks are on a mission right now to go higher? Let's start with Boeing. This stock has been going up pretty much in a straight line ever since we had the CEO, Dennis Mullenberg, on the show in December when he confirmed that business is stronger and that it's getting even stronger as the quarter went on. It's incredible how much this stock wants to go higher, fueled by a gigantic buyback and a dividend boost and excess cash galore. I think the stock of Boeing, which went out today at $356, is headed for $400, where it might run out of steam, but only because it'll become the most expensive stock in the Dow. Earlier this week, though, Boeing got a second win with Madgen talking about better orders and telling a robust military contract story. And that's something that hadn't been really as big a part of the narrative as it should have been. How do you spot a stock that's on a mission like Boeing? Well, did you see how this thing traded today? Even though three separate research firms pushed it hard, Boeing stock traded down two bucks at the beginning of the session because of some funky opening that had more to do with weakness in Europe than weakness here. But then almost instantly, Boeing took flight, ultimately closing up over $2. MasterCard, symbol MA, it's on a mission, too. A mission to 200 bucks. I've liked this name for ages as part of a fabulous secular theme, the switch from paper to plastic. Sure enough, MasterCard reported yet another blowout quarter, which is amazing when you consider how the bar's been raised so high after all these upside surprises. This time, though, the company had a whole new angle. 
cryptocurrencies. Yet people are using their credit cards to buy digital currencies like Bitcoin, and the company's working on a pilot program to develop a prepaid card for businesses that make markets in Bitcoin. Hey, come on. That's like throwing gasoline on the fire that's been, under, uh, that's been raging under MasterCard stock. It's just under 173. It's already up nearly 15% for the year. I think it's got 200 bucks written all over it. Ever since the new year began, one of our old favorites here, IDEX Labs, has been making a beeline to 200 and maybe beyond. We know IDEX is a veterinary equipment maker that's a play on the humanization of pets. Others know it as a juggernaut of a stock that's up nearly 40 straight points and that reported another remarkable quarter today. The stock closed at $193. Room to run. Finally, there is, well, NVIDIA. You know we know this one, right? The company that makes the best chips for video games, graphics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, voice recognition, the data center. NVIDIA stock has been on a rampage. Now, today it got sidetracked by Goldman Sachs which downgraded it from strong buy to regular buy. Now, I have to admit, as the leading supporter of this stock, so much, of course, that you know that I named my dog after NVIDIA, at $240, I understand where Goldman's coming from. In fact, I recently told ActionAlertsPlus.com club members that it's time to trim this position back after such a run. The darn thing's simply up too much. And contra Gordon Gecko, greed is not good. Bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs, they get slaughtered. Not anyone be a pig. That said, I still believe NVIDIA stock is headed to 300. It's just that as your winners were higher, you'd be a fool not to take something off the table. The most incredible thing about stocks that are on a mission, once they get started, they rarely fizzle out that quickly. They are objects in motion that stay in motion. It's like a law of physics. These companies are all on jet-propelled paths higher, although they do give you nice buying opportunities whenever they stop to refuel, like the brief pullback in Boeing or the longer pullback Goldman caused NVIDIA. Otherwise, look out above and get out of the way. These stocks are going to where they have to go. Stay with Quake. I have to admit, while this is the single most important night of earnings season, I'm starting to get a little distracted by football. Can you blame me? Tonight I'm flying out to Minnesota so I can watch my hometown Philadelphia Eagles hopefully defeat the loathsome Patriots on Super Bowl Sunday with a quarterback, by the way, who is seriously only, only liked in five zip codes on earth. And I say that after a rigorous survey of one. But what if there was a way to mix my two greatest loves, the NFL and the stock market? What if there was a high-quality company with exposure to football that trades well as a stock. And you know what? I found one. Had to go to the end of the alphabet to find it, though. I'm talking about Zebra Technologies. Z-B-R-A. And no, it is not about the refs. It's a leader in what's known as enterprise asset intelligence. Think barcodes, mobile printing, data capture, real-time locating systems, and radio frequency identification. Typically, that means Zebra helps businesses keep track of their inventory or, say, a fleet of trucks, some boxes, I don't know, container ships. But the company also has a contract with the NFL. Zebra tracks every player in the league via a little RFID transmitter in their shoulder pads. I've seen them, along with the transmitters in all the balls. 
They collect all this information and then turn it into useful real-time statistics. Think big data meets the NFL. It had to happen someday, didn't it? In fact, Sean Payton, who gave me the ideas for this piece, he's the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, was the first company in the league to use Zebra, and he's such a believer of their tech that he's actually become a spokesperson for the company. But this is not just a football play. I'll never recommend a stock just because of its NFL exposure alone if the underlying fundamentals weren't so hot. Fortunately, when it comes to the fundamentals, Zebra's stock is terrific, and it's been on fire. I've been recommending it for many years now, and it's given you a nearly 130% gain in the last 18 months, not to mention running up 17% just since the beginning of 2018. Of course, it's been taking a break for the last couple of weeks, but I suspect this is merely a pause that refreshes. Especially since when the whole market rolled over this week, Zebra only got dinged. It dipped up from 124 to 122 as of today. That's actual relative strength. What's behind the remarkable resiliency? Okay, first of all, Zebra's main end markets have really been picking up of late. They get most of their business from retail and most importantly, the e-commerce port of retail, along with transportation and logistics, manufacturing and healthcare. They help businesses label and keep track of things. When the economy picks up, both here and in the rest of the world, that results in more commerce which translates into more firms that need Zebra's technology. But they're not just benefiting from a rising tide here. Under the leadership of CEO Anders Gustafsson, a frequent guest of the show, by the way, Zebra's made some very smart moves. Four years ago, this was a different company. Back then, Zebra was basically a boring barcode and enterprise printing play. Then in 2014, they acquired Motorola Solutions Enterprise Business for $3.45 billion in cash, getting all these cool mobile computing and advanced data capture technologies. Now, initially, it was a rocky um, melding. And I know I've been out to their place in Long Island. And wow, you know, there's just a lot of different cultures going. But since then, Zebra's been finding new ways to apply its expertise, which brings me back to the NFL, because I think this is a great example of how they're creating new businesses practically out of whole cloth. Within Zebra's location solutions division, which is really about tracking trucks and retail inventory, the company has built up Zebra Sports. They took this Radio Frequency Identification Technology, which has been around for ages, and figured out if they stuck these tags on football players and the ball itself, it could generate a treasure trove of useful data. And coaches love it because it helps them get a better handle on how their athletes are playing. Also, how their stamina is, how they're doing physically. It revolutionizes the scouting process. And, of course, fans love it because it creates all this new real-time data that gets displayed on your television or your computer or your phone. As of today, Zebra's currently in the fourth year of a five-year contract with the NFL as its official on-field player tracker provider. Since 2015, they had their sensors in every pair of shoulder pads in the league with receivers in all 31 NFL stadiums. These tags can determine every player's locale to within six inches, transmitting 85 times a second. So if your coach's quarterback is being tightly pressured, Zebra's technology will tell you when and where within milliseconds. This past season, the NFL started tracking their uh, footballs, too, and they opened the treasure trove of new data up to the fans. Now, it took a while for Zebra to get to the point where it was firing on all cylinders in the wake of that Motorola Enterprise deal. See, in late 2015 and early 2016, we saw the stock go down big. Because of gigantic acquisition, it's hard to digest, company had some operational slip-ups. Zebra started missing its financial targets to the point where analysts began to worry about the company's debt load. See, it had borrowed more than $3 billion to make this deal happen. And as of two years ago, this was only a $3 billion company. 
Mm-mm, don't like that. But about halfway through last year, Zebra got the situation under control. Management started delivering some long-awaited margin expansion and paying down debt. In late 2016, they brought in a new chief financial officer, uh, Oliver Leonetti. I know this guy. He used to be of Western Digital, where he integrated the gigantic $16 billion Sandus acquisition. The man is solid. Since then, the stock has been off like a rocket. Last year, Zebra managed to beat numbers quarter after quarter. They're now looking for organic sales growth of 3 to 6%, pretty high for any of the industrials. It's a major acceleration, of course, from less than 1% back two years ago. Meanwhile, Zebra continues to expand its margins, bolstering its profitability. And while we won't know uh, or see these fourth quarter numbers until later this month, I'm sanguine right now about them. Why? Remember, Zebra has a lot of exposure to retail and e-commerce and shipping. We know that America just had its first really good holiday season in years. Even before the fourth quarter, things were going quite well. But with an explosion of shopping over the holidays, both online and in stores, and with many old-school retailers investing heavily to build out their digital businesses, I think there was a lot of demand for Zebra's products, which are in the heart of retail e-commerce. You don't build an efficient omnichannel platform unless you're tracking your inventory closely, and that's what Zebra's really all about. However, it took a long time for the bricks-and-mortar merchants to figure out all this stuff, and they finally got a handle on it, and that's resulted in more consistent orders for Zebra. Now, even though the stock's run up dramatically in recent months, this stock is still fairly cheap. It trades at just 15 times this year's numbers. Uh, I do not get that. That doesn't seem right. It seems way too low. Ideally, it could come down some more before you had to pull the trigger. I don't even know if we're going to get a meaningful pullback given the stocks of 15 times earnings. So here's my, here's my plan. I should just put you on a small position now and then kind of praying for weakness so you can get a better price. The bottom line, for the last 18 months, Zebra Technologies has been in fuego as the company finally got a handle on that fantastic but didn't look so great initially Motorola Enterprise acquisition from four years ago. Now it's running at full tilt, like Jay Azashi. Jay Azashi is trading, he's training down the, tra- the skyline, we call him the train, okay, uh, toward the end zone. But the stock still remains cheap. I'd start to be a buyer of Zebra right here. Of course, it would be more attractive if the stock takes a nice dip. So put it on your shopping list and actually hope it goes down. Catherine in Pennsylvania. Catherine. Hi, Jim. Great show, and go Eagles. Oh, thank you. Go Birds. What's up? I'm interested in Veritone, ticker symbol V-E-R-I. Yes. It went down over 23% yesterday and was up a little today. Why such volatility, and is it a buy or a sell? No, it's just missed too many times. You know, I used to like it as a play on the way that commerce was done at the cash register. I've given up. I've just given up. They can't get it right. I'm telling you to stay away. Let's go to Ashikin in Washington. Ashikin. Yes, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Uh, The stock I'm wondering what you think about is the Trade Desk Inc. And the ticker is Tango Tango Delta. So Um, it is a position. Yeah, you know, we um, thought this one was too risky. Um, We just thought that this one could too many things could go wrong. It looks like I think we're going to be right. It's very expensive. If you want that area, you got to go with Alphabet, even though I know a lot of people are getting pretty tethered about Alphabet this very evening. Let's go to Phil in Maine, please. Phil. Hey, Jim. It's Phil in Maine from Snowy Maine. I'm calling to see what your thoughts are on PAY Verifone. Go Patriots. Have a great day. Well, thanks for nothing there. All right, Verifone's like, Ver- Verifone's like Veritone. Uh, you know, Veritone, by the way, just to be sure, is artificial intelligence. It is different. It keeps missing. Um, but Verifone also keeps missing. It's kind of like they have, I guess if it starts with Vera, it misses. Oh, no, Veritas actually won. That'd be good. 
So, um, and I want to be sure you people understand that Verif, Verif, don't want to confuse Veritone with Verifone, which I did initially. It's artificial intelligence versus the register. All right, Zebra has earned its stripes, and it's been en fuego. The stock is cheap. I think you can buy some now and then hope you get a pullback. Watch more Mad Money Head. I'm digging deeper into the action in crude. Is it time to pick up a black gold player? A refiner, maybe? We're going to sit down with the CEO of Marathon, Pete Poise. He created a lot of value. Then it's helping Zillow, H&R Block, and Kimberly Clark connect their businesses. Could it help your portfolio as well? I'm sitting down with the CEO of ServiceNow, which is a suite of services that goes through all of the cloud and your business. Find out how to do it. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. Now that the price of oil has rallied to $65 a barrel, what do you do with the refiners, one of our favorite segments? Take Marathon Petroleum, MPC, our favorite in the group. This is a stock that has roared up more than 30% last year, with much of that run fueled by the two big hurricanes that knocked out so much refining capacity on the Gulf Coast. When refineries shut down, the price of gasoline and other refined products goes up. Marathon made a lot of money, but it's making a lot of money with or without hurricanes. For the last week, this stock has been drifting lower, though. And then there's today, perplexing action, frankly. This morning, Marathon Petroleum delivered a $0.06 earnings beat off a $0.99 basis, much higher than expected revenues, up nearly 23% year-over-year. Match was commentary 2018 I thought was tremendously bullish. But the stock got dinged 1%. Maybe maybe this is just the opportunity we've been waiting for. Maybe it's just profit-taking. Let's take a close look with Gary Heminger. He's the chairman and CEO of Marathon Petroleum Corp. To hear more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Heminger, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Thanks no, for having thank me. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. Gary, this is a remarkable quarter, a remarkable time for your company. And uh, a lot of people feel that the refining has been boom, bust, boom, bust. You've completely proven that wrong. What are you doing different to defy what had been cyclical and really got a secular growth story going here? Well, one of the things, Jim, is we have tremendous flexibility in our refining system. We can run 70% sweet barrels, 70% medium, sour, and heavy barrels. So we'll take advantage of whatever alternatives are available in the marketplace. And, and the other thing that really culminated today, and I was on your, your program here about 14 yeah. months ago, but today we executed the, the last part of our big strategic uh, study where we dropped down a, another billion dollars worth of assets into our midstream today, as well as culminated the IDR exchange, where, whereby MPC is going to take back shares and trade for all the incentive distribution rights that we have uh, within MPLX. Which makes it so that the uh, anybody who buys the National Limited Partnership obviously does much better. At the same time, you're very bullish in the midstream, as you said on the call. I, I am, Jim. And, and when you look at MPLX, what we've been able to accomplish, um, we from this point forward, all of our organic growth, we're going to do without issuing equity. We can do it Which inside. Which is so good. These guys issue a lot of equity. It's really killing people. Right. We have tremendous flexibility. Our net debt to... Uh, is down to 3.6 times. We have 1.28 coverage at the end of the year. So in really good shape, and we've announced in, in guiding the market, we're going to have a, a 10% distribution increase in 2018. So we're running on all cylinders within uh, uh, MPLX. I always feel it's a shame. People don't realize a lot of these companies have stopped increasing their distributions. 10% is by far the highest of any I follow. Let's talk about the stores. Okay. There had been some agitation that maybe the stores should go. I, I look at the stores. You're making a lot of money on these. We are, Jim, and, and, and that's another segment. Uh, Speedway had its sec- sixth uh, consecutive year of increasing income, second year in a row of EBITDA over a billion dollars. 
And uh, we did a comprehensive study on Speedway right. last year and determined unanimous uh, approval by the board that remaining integrated and having the stores inside of MPC where we have almost 70% what we call assured volume. We know every day, we, we now refine around 2 million barrels per day. I know every day we're about 65 to 70% of that gasoline is going to be sold tomorrow. And very few have that control at the same time. Then tell us about all the gasoline that you're able to export because we have so much here. Right. And, and that's been uh, really, I think, one of the most important fundamentals of the refining industry over the last five, six years. Uh, we, in the quarter that we announced today, we exported 314,000 barrels per day in the fourth exported. quarter. Okay. Exported. That's about 17% of what we make. Okay. So that is very important to be able to hit the, uh, the foreign markets. And when you look at the demand on a global basis, we're expecting 2018 global, globally to be up about 1.5 million barrels per day. That's going to re require more and more exports from the U.S. And the U.S. Gulf Coast refineries, they're the best engines in the world. Now, we have a, a change of president who is very pro-deregulation. Uh, Right. Uh, and very pro oil and gas. Let's just call it that. What does it mean for the CEO of a refiner to have a what I have to regard as a, a friend in the White House? Right. And uh, I've met with the president. Uh, he was in Cincinnati giving a speech on infrastructure. And uh, his questions were, are we doing better on permitting? Not permitting for just pipelines, right. but permitting and refining, building terminals and pipelines as well. And that's very important. Uh, the infrastructure bill that in his State of the Union address that he talked about, it's very important that we continue to be able to build new pipelines. We need a lot of work and a lot of investment in the rivers, both the Mississippi and the Ohio River. They need infrastructure investment. So the president and the administrator of the EPA, Scott Pruitt, are both very pro the energy industry. Okay. Now, one of the things that people were talking about as price of oil went up a little bit is some say that because of refining constraints, that, it, that gasoline could go to $4 uh, a gallon in California this summer. That seems impossible to me. Well, we don't uh, market in California. That's Cali not your market. We don't market there. But let me give you a, a little backdrop there. If you look at uh, a days of supply basis, including exports, both gasoline and diesel, we're at the lowest inventory levels. Gasoline wow. since 2006, diesel since 2013. So inventories have really come down. We're in the best position from a refining industry standpoint uh, in, in many, many years. If you go back to 15 and 16, very high inventories coming out of the fourth quarter. This year, inventories are in check, as well as crude oil inventories are in very good shape in the U.S. So I think that's very bullish for where we see uh, crack spreads going in the right. refining system. How much they make off of oil. Yeah. Right. And, um, and demand. Demand ended up, you know, as we were here a year or so ago, uh, expectations demand would be off half a percent to maybe a right. percent. And uh, demand ended up in the positive uh, position last year. Right. One last question. A lot of people tell me, you know what, Jim, fossil fuels, uh, just a matter of time, they're going away and we're all going to be using electric cars. I mean, what's the real, what's the realistic view? Well, it's the facts are, are in the marketplace and what the consumer wants. Consumers still buying SUVs, vans, and there, I think the transportation uh, in the future is still going to be the internal combustion engine. And why? 
It's the cheapest form of transportation. Well, that matters, and that's why you're here to stay. And you've done a remarkable thing. You have uh, managed to create a company that even very tough activists have had to say, this is the right strategy and the right style. That's Gary Heminger. He's chairman and CEO of Marathon Petroleum MPC, which is the best refiner and a great exporter and a terrific retailer. Mad Bunny is back in the break. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! How you doing, Jim? Booyah! Hey, Jim, what's going on? Jake here. Booyah. Booyah! Hey, what up, Jim? Booyah! Booyah, let's go. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> Booyah! Hey, Jim, thanks for coming and speaking to us at the beginning of the season. We're here because of you, bro. Booyah! I'm seeing all these guys on Sunday, and I cannot wait. I can't wait to see you from Minneapolis tomorrow. It is going to be fantastic. And now it is time. It is time for the lightning round. Okay, And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Let's go to Stephanie in California. Stephanie. Hey, hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I'm calling up. I'm calling about a line. It's yeah, you know, this is way over done to the downside. You know, this is Invisalign. Ah. I know it got ahead of itself. I think it used to be a buyer earlier. Trevor in Pennsylvania. Trevor. Hey, how's it going? All right, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How about Canon Metal, KMT? Good industrial, nothing sexy, nothing really great. You know what? You might want to look at Parker Hannafin, which got knocked down today incorrectly. Let's go to Jim in New York. Jim. Booyah, Jim. Yes. Hey, with all the talks of significant infrastructure spending and passive investing going on, what are your thoughts on the rating index and dating co- data company, SPGI? Oh, man, it's nothing but net. That is just stirring financial tech stock. I think it's a great one to own. I'm going to Marty in Florida. Marty. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I'd like your opinion on Myriad Genetics, M-Y-G-N. Oh, man, this thing's been kicking around forever, but it is diagnostics, and diagnostics are hot. I bless it for spec only. Let's go to John in New York. John. Hey, it's John from <laughs> Virginia. How you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Thank you, sir. Was wondering about Arista Networks, A-Net, they were Street Law reported still one more great quarter. I am so impressed about what she's accomplished, and she is always welcome on the show. Obviously, a Cisco competitor. Garrett in Massachusetts. Garrett. Hey, Kramer, what's going on? Uh, you tell me. Hey, what are your thoughts on Emerson Electric? Emerson's not done going higher. We've been behind it ever since it bottomed in orders about 10 points ago. I was late. It's going higher. Wouldn't shock me if it goes to 80 at 72. Nancy in Kentucky. Nancy. Yes. Go ahead, Nancy. How are you? What do you have? I'm here. Go ahead. What what, what stock? uh, Ball Engineering. Uh, I only know Ball Corp. I know the beverage uh, can and bottle company. And that I like very much because they've consolidated the industry. I think that's a good one. I once went out to the headquarters, pretty good in the old headquarters. Let's go to Grant in Arizona. Grant. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. My question is about a company that has $67 billion under management. It's beaten estimates the last eight quarters. Pays a dividend of 2.7%, but it gets no love. Stocker, the symbol is PLD ProLogic. I'll tell you why it gets no love. It's in a cohort. I talked to Mark Chaikin the other day, and I did a teach-in at the street. 
It's a real estate investment trust. People don't like the REITs. I think you have to hold it through this because you're right. It's a growth REIT. Greg in Pennsylvania. Greg. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I am doing well, Greg. How are you? Been Which a phenomenal one? dividend for me. Should no, I? No, uh, I'm not be sure that. I think that dividend is way too big. I think it's a red flag. I don't want you to be in that one. I think there are others that are safer. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. At this point in earnings season, it can be really difficult to keep track of all the companies that are reporting. It's information overload. This is the toughest day of all. We've got the three A's. It's got Amazon, Alphabet, and we've got Apple. And it's very difficult to do all the scheduling. But last night was big, too. And when you need to listen to Facebook and Microsoft, maybe you're forgiving for missing something of a company that we have come to really love on this show, which is ServiceNow. ServiceNow is the Kramer fave cloud-based software company that helps information technology departments create their own applications, while also letting businesses automate lots of back-office non-revenue-generating functions like human resources, legal, finance, security, and facilities management. Last night, ServiceNow reported a solid quarter. The company reported, uh, posted inline earnings, a slight miss on revenue, but not really, because it was up 38% year-over-year. More importantly, their subscription buildings, which is the metric that I care about, up 40% in the full year guidance was robust. Even though ServiceNow had already run up 75% last year and another 14% last month, it tacked on another 2.65% today. Can this thing keep roaring? Let's check in with John Donahoe. He's the president and CEO of ServiceNow. Get a better sense of his quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Donahoe, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim. Nice to see you. All right. Now, John, we, we come used to just fantastic numbers from, from Mr. Sloop and your predecessor. Uh, in some ways, I know he's not going to hurt his feeling, but these are better. But what's more important is the breadth of your product now versus, say, three or four years ago. Look, there was a point, a point when I just said, okay, it's automated call center. Talk about the suite, because the suite is now touching so many other companies, and you're clearly taking share from them. Well, Jim, this is a wonderful situation where it's the right product, right platform at the right time. Companies everywhere are embracing digital transformation where they're being forced to deliver better consumer and customer experiences and better employee experiences. And that's, in essence, what ServiceNow's platform does. It helps you simplify and streamline business processes across the company, whether that's in IT or HR or customer support. Or, but even more importantly, increasingly, across all those functions, the cross-functional business processes is where ServiceNow really excels. So because it's a platform company, it's generating growth both on the platform and in each of the applications. Well, John, one of the things that we're fascinated by, we've had almost every company in this, but apparently you're taking it by storm. You're giving dashboard performance. That is something that we have not seen from ServiceNow. Uh, you've also made a couple of acquisitions that helped tremendously in building the suite. But, I mean, dashboard performance, that eliminates a lot of other contenders, doesn't it? Well, it just allows, allows uh, whether it's a CIO or other C-suite executive, to use, a, in essence, digital dashboard to run their and manage their business. You know, companies have been spending millions and millions and tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars on technology over the last five or ten years. But it's really hard to measure the impact or the effect. What ServiceNow enables our customers to do is to demonstrate how they can get clear productivity improvement from their investment in ServiceNow and other technologies and how they can get demonstrable improvements in their employees' experience and in their end customers' experience. So that data component just validates the, the business value 
of their investment in technology. Well, two other things that I, you know, you've been in human resources, but we have whole companies devoted to human resources that I think you are offering a superior suite to. And then security operations is something that I hadn't thought of as service now. Obviously, uh, this is soup to nuts at this point. Well, Jim, it's really important that whether it's in human resources or in security, we are a piece of the equation that where we work with the world-class human resources companies like Workday, we love Workday. We're a big Workday customer. As you know, Neil's one of my best friends. Right. And I think Workday is incredible about what they do. We partner with Workday to handle some of the cross-functional workflows. And so take employee onboarding. That is a classic cross-functional workflow. A new employee has to get their badge from security, their desk from facilities, their sign up with payroll, sign up for TNE, sign up for their health benefits from, from HR. So they've got to touch multiple departments. They've got to touch multiple technologies. What ServiceNow does is link all those together and build them into a seamless mobile app. So it, takes the, it hides the complexity from the employee, but it allows the employee to, to go through that experience seamlessly. It doesn't replace any of the underlying technologies, be that Workday or Concur or, right. okay. or ADP. It just brings them together. So it's a, it's a, it's a classic cloud-based phenomenon where one plus one plus one can equal five in a better experience for the employee. I'm so good, yeah, because I, what it's going to say was it's just taking away from Workday, which I know you're good partners. Look, John, I can't resist. I always associated eBay with you. It was a remarkable company. You made it into a better company. You also had a fabulous uh, system of payment, PayPal. eBay just delivered an amazing quarter today. But I hate to see some sort of split between a company you put together with eBay uh, moving over and away from PayPal. Is this something you thought would have happened? Or do you think that there must be some bad blood? Did something occur here? Because these are two fabulous companies, and you had a hand in making them both great. Well, I'm, I'm not going to spend time commenting on eBay and PayPal, Jim. But what I will say is I think Devin Wenig and Dan Schulman have both done a terrific job since taking over a couple of years ago. And you've seen that in the success they've had and in the, uh, in the share price appreciation. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic about both companies going forward. And they've both got two terrific leaders. Okay, I'm good to hear that. I, you know, I like both companies very, very much. That's John Dono, President and CEO of ServiceNow, with a remarkable quarter, maybe some of the best in the last 24 hours, which is saying something. Stay with Kramer. Two out of three ain't bad. Apple didn't disappoint. Boom, it goes higher. Alphabet, ah, just okay. And Amazon, I'm telling you, it's going right to 1500 Like I said, there's always more with some. I promise mine. Just for you, right here, man, buddy. I'm Jim Craver. See you tomorrow. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.